Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Carey, I'm the greatest musician that ever lived and apparently now I'm a podcaster and you're going to hear me chat to many different people but more often than not it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world. And here's the thing, you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, Stitcher Radio, iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week in the podcast, brilliant singer-songwriter Don Landers. Now, she is coming up, but joining me right now, the man, the myth, the legend, without question, the best saxophone player on this podcast right now. <laughs> Mike yeah. Smith. Mike, how are you, sir? Never heard of him. Yeah, fine. Good. Now, the working life of a musician. Last week when you were on the podcast, you were telling us funny stories about playing in various different weddings uh, and all sorts, okay? But just as uh, to, to start off the conversation, Mike, you've had a very busy day. Tell, tell the listeners what you've been up to, if indeed you can disclose that information at this stage. I can probably disclose it. I've been uh, rehearsing with the Korean Classics show all day, um, which we get together with the orchestra tomorrow. It's basically all the 90s hits uh, from a famous club in Liverpool. Uh, they've arranged it for for the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra, so that, that is uh, happening this weekend. I'm playing synths and a little bit of alto sax for it, but mainly synths. And um, yeah, it should be interesting, but there's obviously... It's going to be in the cathedral, so there's a lot of logistical problems with it. <laughs> Yeah. Mike Smith, an extremely versatile musician, plays sax amazingly well, plays piano playing. His piano playing is extraordinary. This man is a, a man of many, many talents. Like I said, extremely versatile. Last week we spoke about all these different wedding gigs he was doing or has done yeah. over the years, club gigs, etc., etc. And as soon as, uh, well, we got great reaction from Mike's stories last week from all you listeners, okay? And Mike's been texting me throughout the week going, oh, we need to tell this one on air, we need to tell that one on air, right? <laughs> yeah. So one of the ones that you text me, I, I'll let you take it from here, perhaps, Mike. What do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, I can do. Um, th- there's a particular wedding that happened not too long ago, and we'd been booked as a band um, to do a, like you know double header sort of thing, like a couple of jazz sets in the afternoon, and then uh, the normal sort of function set in the evening. And we we basically done our sort of half an hour bit outside. And then we had to go inside and do a, another sort of half an hour. And then we had like six hours off or something, you know, between like when they had their drinks reception and, and the meal and, and all that kind of stuff. So we, we naturally just went to the pub, uh, which was which we thought was fairly fine. And uh, anyway, the groom sort of rings the pub <laughs> looking for us. And then uh, he demands that we go back to this gig. Um, although that wasn't really what the arrangement was as far as we were concerned. Uh, so anyway, we kind of, we did go down there and we, we played a little bit more, but then we kind of got ignored. So we sort of left it uh, so we could kind of come back and carry on with our normal obligation later in the evening. And um yeah, it was uh, it was quite a funny evening thing. Everyone was completely drunk as usual, and um, we were supposed to be kind of playing the first dance, and they changed their mind quite late on. Uh, told the agent, the agent hadn't quite told us, so we decided we would uh, we would we would try and busk through this. Um, well, no, we decided initially that we would just play it from Spotify. Um, just to save any messing, but we didn't uh, get a very strong internet connection. So the 
the tune basically started cutting out and starting and stopping. And uh, so the guitarist and I, we, we tried to kind of continue pick up where this song was going, you know, when it kind of stopped and, and, and just keep people on the dance floor. And um, yeah, we didn't we didn't do an amazing job of that. So uh, the bride just kind of saw her ass and um, started crying <laughs> and um, I ran out of the dance floor. And then uh, all we could hear from the back of the room was someone shouting, you ruined it. Jeez, oh. So that was before we uh, even did our set. So there we go. And Mike and his band are still available for weddings. You can check him out. Mike yeah. Smith Sacks. Just Google that. You get all the relevant information. We've got uh, Dawn Landis coming up on the podcast, of course. Brilliant singer-songwriter. I've been wanting to get her on for a while. Great American singer-songwriter, of course. Um, original from, originally from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, uh, five albums and a UK tour coming up. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Dawn on the podcast right now. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast, and joining me now from New York, the very, very talented Don Landes. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, yeah. What's the weather like in New York at this time in the morning as we speak, because it is miserable in Scotland as usual? It's <laughs> We've got a lot of rain today, so I don't, it was like hard to get up. It's hard to get out of bed. Really, it's a it's a very rare it's very rare that, that it's like that in America because we get very jealous of you guys always getting the better weather. But nonetheless, you grew up in Kentucky. So um when did you start playing music and what's the music scene like there? Uh hmm, that's a hard question. I guess I started playing my oh, I started playing in bands in high school. I was in the marching band in middle school. I played the saxophone. And then uh in high school I started to play uh, I started to sing in bands. Like I remember my audition was singing um, that sort of operatic part of a Pink Floyd song. And I sang that to someone in a classroom and I got into a band when I was in high school. And you were in a march? Did you say you were in a marching band? I was, yeah. What did you play? Sax. I played alto sax. Oh, really? Wow. It was, you know, it was a rite of passage <laughs> for the Midwest. You have to do it. So, excellent. Um, so you're at high school then, and you've got the addition, and you're in a how long? You in a band in high school, pretty much straight away. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I was in a couple bands, and then I started secretly taking guitar lessons because I didn't want to let the guys know that I was bad. You know, because everyone's bad when they start. You know, so I took lessons secretly, and then suddenly I just showed up, and I was like, "Hey, check me out!" Like, no, no. <laughs> Excellent. So what kind of stuff are you playing back then, then, in the bands? Oh, my gosh. Well, we mostly played, before I had any say, we did a lot of, like, Clapton and, like, Pink Floyd covers, like, prog rocky stuff. Uh, it was fun. Um, and then I started a, a, an all-girl band, and we were sort of Riot Girl influenced, you know, and um, we played one show. <laughs> it was fun. The drums were like sliding all over the stage. It was that kind of thing. Excellent. So just a one show band then, a little bit like the Sex Pistols, a short lived career, that group. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. So it's a kind of a, a transition then from the prog rock stuff into something very um uh, something very country and very acoustic from the majority of the, the albums that we've obviously heard. So how did that transition take place then and develop? 
uh, I think when I was playing with other people, you're always, it's a collective, right? So everybody's kind of, the different personalities are changing the shape of the thing. And left to my own devices, I go, I usually go in one direction and that's more of the folky direction. So, so what, kind of, what kind of influences have you got in that area then? Hmm. Well, I, my, when I, when I was growing up, my mom listened to a lot of female singers. So, um, Joan Baez was a big one and Linda Ronstadt was a big one. Um, so I love those women's voices. And then, I mean, recently I've discovered a lot of music from like Nashville in the late sixties, which I love like Skeeter Davis and, um, uh, Patsy Cline and Loretta Lynn and all those guys. Um, I'm really into, I'm going through that phase right now. So, but I, the women, right. I mean, Lucinda Williams is one of my favorites and Gillian Welsh. I think they're just sort of poet laureates, you know, but I don't know. Are these people are great, great storytellers when they write their songs. That's what I always get from them. It's really, really good in that sense. So when you're writing your songs, what's the what's the process like? What do you start off with? Do you start off with a lyric? Do you start off with a melody? How does it all develop? Mm, I guess it's different every time, really. Um, sometimes I give myself assignments, you know, and um, I force myself to write even if I don't want to. So, And sometimes good things come from that, and a lot of times not but sometimes you get some, some good gems out of that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, getting together with other writers is really important to me, whether, whether or not they're fiction or memoir or like poetry. I have a lot of writer friends, so it's good to surround yourself with those people and, and share your work. So whether it's songs or not, I think uh, that's been helpful for me. So when you do those collaborations, um, do you always walk in with something um, on the table, so to speak? Do you always have a chord progression at the ready? Or do you sometimes go in and start completely from scratch? How does that take place? Uh, I think mm, most of the time I have some sort of idea. Um, very rarely I have absolutely nothing, but sometimes that can yield something fun, you know? just depends on where your head's at that day. Like you might have an idea that doesn't match your mood, you know, so then you got to scrap that and just start over, I guess. But. So uh, talking of collaborations, in an ideal world, who would you like to, to write songs with or work with in a live setting or be in the studio with? If you could pick it from anybody, who would, it, who would it be, do you think? You don't, not limited to one, name is, name is two or three. Okay, well, I mean, I would love to, work with Prince in the studio. I just saw him perform. He did a solo piano tour. Oh, how was I, it? Oh, oh my goodness. It was amazing. Where did you see him play? Ooh. Where did you see him play? Um, well, I was, I've been touring with Sufjan Stevens, uh, Australia. I was just in Australia um, and I was touring with Sufjan Stevens and we were playing at the State Theatre and we got there a night early and Prince was playing at the same theatre so we got to go and it was it was a life affirming you know so good but I think he's just such a talent that it would be really cool to see like what would happen with him <laughs> in the studio um, that would be fun as far as collaborating on writing I think oh yeah go ahead go ahead 
I was just going to say Prince is an absolute genius. There's there's no doubt about that. The guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the set that we saw, he had done, I think, four sets in two or three days, and every one of them was really different. You know, he had a little iPad that he was scrolling through of all his songs. He would just, like, see what he felt like playing and then play it. And it well, that was is really, really cool. So good. So good. And so he had his little heels that, like, lit up, you know, like those kids' shoes that light up. It was that kind of thing. Oh, I wish I'd have seen him. I seen it. Uh, a couple of you were talking about it online. Um, that he was he was doing that. He was doing the piano solo things. So that that would have been amazing to see. So you were going to talk there about uh, songwriting collaborations as well. Who who are you thinking? Oh well, it's hard because I feel like a lot of my favorite writers are really solitary writers. You know, like Willie Nelson or Lucinda Williams. I can't imagine being in a room writing a song with them. It would probably be really painful. I have a feeling that those writers are really meticulous and thorough and they rewrite and rewrite. So it might be more of a, like, let's just spend a month together. And you know what I mean? I don't mm -hmm. think it would be happen in a, in a moment, but maybe it would, I don't know. So for the, for the many years that you've been playing, tell us about some of the, your favorite places to play. Cause you've been all, all over the world with your music and um, both in a solo setting and with different bands. So tell us about some of the, your favorite places to play. I really love performing in like unusual spaces. Like I like, I did a totally acoustic show in a, um, uh, in a chapel, an old chapel in the South of France. Um, there were bats flying around it, it, and, you know, just those spaces that are built for singing. I think I really like those. Um, I like, I do like, playing in churches. I played at a cemetery in, in Brooklyn, this beautiful called Green Greenwood Cemetery, gorgeous, like gothic, you know, columns and gargoyles and angels and the whole thing. Um, I like, yeah, I like those spaces a lot because they're fun to sing in. Um, so what was the place that you played? There's bats flying about. Is that not quite intimidating? Well, I, I played with, um, there's a songwriter um, named Pierce Ficini, and we actually collaborated on, on an EP together, but he and I performed, he invited me to this, uh, it was a Romanesque chapel. So from, from you know, I think it was in a line, like they do those pilgrimages, you know, those religious pilgrimages where you walk for days and days and back in the Middle Ages or whenever they were built, uh, they would place the chapels on the route so that people could stay in them and pray in them. And, you know, so we, it, there was one of these kind of nestled in the Hills. Um, and he's been putting on concerts there. He invites different writers to come and sing with them there. And it's, it was really awesome. It was great. That sounds like the start of like, it sounds like a death metal concert or something like that in a chapel and there's bats flying about. It doesn't, I can't picture an acoustic guitar and country singing on the go, but it sounds amazing nonetheless. <laughs> so give us a couple of other places that you like to play then. So there's there's that, the chapels and the churches. So we're talking unusual kind of places then. Is there any others that spring to mind? Yeah, well, there's a venue in Paris that I played at a bunch called uh, La Flèche d'Or. It uh, means the Golden Arrow. It, it used to be a train station. It used to be before they had the Eurostar. I think it was the um, the train that went from, got you from Paris to London somehow. And that that is, has a similar kind of feel. It's like grandiose you know, architecture and spacious and it's just fun to sing in that kind of space. I like that. 
um, other ones. I mean, I, different audiences are great. You know, um, the place that we I played a, in Glasgow for Roman Roots, and that venue was beautiful. That was the concert hall. It was just the Glasgow Concert Hall. Is that oh, yeah. Was? Did you play the Royal Concert Hall? That was a uh, was yes. that Celtic Connections? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last year, I. Yeah, that's yeah. a great venue. It was beautiful. Yeah, it sounded great, and um, the audience was really excited. And that that's a, that's helpful if the people are are in it with you. Yeah, that's good. So you're actually talking of of Glasgow. You're coming to the UK again at the end of this year. Are you looking forward to that? I am. I am. Yeah. I hope I get to to play a few more shows. I've got two booked right now, but hopefully we'll we'll spread that out a little bit. Um, but yeah, have you been to? Uh, Oh, what's that festival? Uh, End of the Road Festival. Have you checked that out? Uh, no, I've not been there. No, where's that? Down south in England. It's in England. Yeah, it's um, it's I think it's about an hour outside. You pass Stonehenge when you're going to it, but I've played it in the past, and it's really a really cool festival. There's like peacocks roaming around, and it's a private garden. It's very that's a fun setting too. So this tour you get coming up, is that solo acoustic or have you got a band with you? What's going on? I'm not really sure. Actually, I've been playing a lot with string players, so I think I might try something like that, um, some sort of uh, new kind of setup. Uh, we'll see. I'm still, I'm, still work, I'm still working it out, but it could be, it could be interesting. <laughs> Everybody should stay tuned then. Um, so you need to tell us, right, because I was interested when I read this, you've you've actually spent a lot of years as a studio engineer as well, which I think is relatively unusual for, dare I say, a female country singer to be such so hands-on in the studio like that, working with other people and from a production standpoint. So tell us how this came about. Hmm. Probably I just wanted to really control my music. And it's, you know, I feel like for a lot of artists who are starting out, they know their material but they don't really have the vocabulary to to flesh it out you know to to make it into a production and I as I was learning that stuff you know you put your baby in the hands of a stranger and you hope that it's they're gonna like take care of it and not kill it you know and and that's that's a little extreme but you know uh and so I think I had some experiences where I just wasn't getting what I wanted from the production aspect. And so I just kind of dove in and started with a four track and then, you know, moved to like eight tracks and then 16 and 24, you know, it's just like learning as I went. And also I really liked the challenge of, of working in a studio. It's kind of fun. It's, it's very, it's very charged uh, environment and people are very open and it's, it's a cool way to get to know musicians working with them in that way. Cause they're so vulnerable and you learn a lot. I don't know. It was just, it was a really good learning uh, experience for me. Um, yeah. So is that what you do to this day then? Do you still go on? Are you still doing a kind of um, acting as the engineer a lot of the time these days when you're recording? Do you draft someone else in? What do you do these days? For, for my own stuff or for other people? Uh, for your own stuff. You, do you use work with an engineer? Do you do it all on your own? kind of do a bunch of things i have a little home studio you know set up with a good mic and good compressor and stuff um i did have a commercial studio um that i started with uh two other guys 
It's called Saltlands, and that closed about six months ago. But um, that was we had that for about eight years, so that was really awesome. We worked on so many projects there. It was fun. Do you ever find when you're doing that, when you're recording other people, do you find that you've got to have a lot of patience? Because I couldn't, it's something that I would struggle to do, record others and ask them to do another take and ask them to do another take and having to um, perhaps tell them sometimes when parts of their song could be better. Is Did you, was it, did you ever, was it ever challenging in that sense? Yeah, I mean, it was challenging, but I also really enjoy it because I like the human aspect of it, you know, and it, and it, and it depends on the person. Like some people don't want you to say anything. Some people want you to be transparent. You know, they want you to be like Steve Albini says that he's, he's more of a, he likes to capture the moment. He's, he's like a transparent, he's a, he's a camera, you know, he's a machine. He's going to take a picture of the thing and not really put any filters on it. He's just going to present it as it is. And I like that a lot because I feel like oftentimes engineers want to put their stamp on something and maybe it's not necessary, but maybe it is, you know, Nigel Godridge is, is a hero, you know, he's changed recordings for the better, you know, thank you, Nigel, you know, and it just, so there are people who are real artists and I don't know, it, it depends on the material and it depends on what the song needs, I guess, ultimately. Excellent. Lastly, I tell you how I heard of you. I seen your TED talk online, which was brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was really, really good. Was that nerve wracking? Always think these things, you know, it's going to be watched by a ton of people. Were you nervous? I was so nervous. I've performed in front of many more people than were in that audience. I think there were probably like, I don't know, three or 400 people in the audience. But those people were you know, like Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon. And, you know, it was just like the the top, pe- the minds of our of our time, you know, they were all there. So it was, it was very nerve wracking. And the other thing was they weren't prepared. Usually, if you notice TED Talks, there's either a talk or there's music. There's never really both. And I was giving a talk and then singing. So there was a whole thing, you know, this commotion before I did my piece because they didn't know if I should wear one of those talking mics or mm-hmm. if I should have and in the end we went with a, a, st- a mic on a stand because it sounded better for the singing but it was funny like this this very high-tech situation and it, everyone was pulling their hair out trying to figure out what kind of microphone I should use great. and that couldn't have helped with the nerves I would imagine when all these people are running about and it's a couple of minutes to go but you did great yeah. I loved it I thought it was really really good and, and that's how I wanted to, to, to get you on today because I thought I'll need to, to get this person on for an interview so finally, 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 we've got the, the couple of UD, UK dates coming up this year. What else is planned for, for this coming year? Well, I'm working on a new record and uh, I'm, I don't want to talk about it yet because it's all still kind of coming together, but I'm really excited about it. And uh, it's, I think it's going to, I'm going to record it in Nashville. So it's going to have real country flavor. Well, that can be the cliffhanger for everybody because we'll get you on again once the album is done. Oh, great. So Wonderful. everybody can therefore now be excited about the album and you can come on and tell everybody about it. So, um, Don Landis, thank you very much. You're welcome. Great interview with Don there. Thank you very much. Lovely, lovely person. Fantastic songwriter. Uh, and we hope to have her on again at some point because, like I said earlier, and we were speaking about that through the interview, the UK tour is coming up. 
And right now, I'm going to give you some of the dates of this UK tour, okay? Now, as Don mentioned there, there's only two announced thus far. So just to make it very, very specific for you all, the 2nd of September, she's going to be in Dorset. And on the 3rd of September, uh, she's going to be in Birmingham, okay? Playing at the Mosley Folk Festival. But once again, more dates to be announced. So keep checking out our website. It's Dawnland is spelled her name.com. So it's D-A-W-N-L-A-N-D-E-S.com. Um, forward slash tour dates if you want to get right on that page. But anyway, right now I'm joined again by the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Smith. Mike, how are you, <laughs> sir? I'm all right. Now, uh, we've been chatting a lot about the gigs that you've done, uh, funny stories <laughs> in the past, but let's not forget yeah. your mother, of course, is a musician. Yeah. Yeah, you've met me, mum. Yes, she made <laughs> us all lasagna. <laughs> uh, wasn't yeah. it? It was lasagna, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah it was. When we were... Well, okay, um, I feel like I'm about 75. I can't remember anything. Why were, Why was I down in Liverpool? Why was you I having dinner at your house with because you? Because we were on our way down to do something in London for a certain pop artist. And um, we. Uh, it was basically halfway through you, wasn't it? So we said, stop at ours. Have some tea and we'll go first thing. That's what we did. That's exactly what we did. I remember that, and I stayed at yours. And we um, d- we watched football. Do you remember that? Yeah. We watched football. Sure. Uh, sorry, we're losing. I'm losing the interest of yeah. every single listener right now. Uh, but just by yeah. trying to recollect me being at your place. But anyway, your mum is a musician, and I do believe uh, you're not the only musician in that house. It's funny stories on the the uh, regarding the life of a musician. Yeah. Okay, so my mum, uh, my mum was a guitarist. She used to go around with my granddad, um, her dad, of course, uh, round the clubs and the working men's clubs, and doing like a, a duo act basically. And he was a singer. She used to back him up on on the guitar. But occasionally, you'd have to go and use the house band. And there's always an organist and a drummer. Anyway, uh, they started this tune off, and. Um, they could just hear this kind of rumbling from behind them and, and they kind of ignored it for a bit. And then they realized that there was no keyboards happening at all. And they turned around and the organist had actually dropped dead. What? Yeah. And he was just slumped, he was just slumped over this Hammond organ. <laughs> and that was it. And he, he, he was across all the keys and the Leslie was going around like crazy. And that was it. So uh, dutifully, they uh, they stopped the show, went off and did the bingo, and then uh, my mum thought she was going to get off early, and they called her back on to do the second set. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> i tell you what, if any musician out there has got a better story than that, <laughs> be my guest. You're more than welcome to be, be on this show. The fucking yeah. guy died. Yeah, he was probably about, you know, 80 or something. And this was going back to probably the mid-80s, I think. Um, but yeah, quite quite funny. That's that's ridiculous. I tell you, I tell you what, that is, uh, I I am shocked. <laughs> yeah, I've done big band gigs, you know, because uh, the, the demographic for jazz is generally, you know, old, and uh, jazz isn't dead. It just smells funny, by the way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that was Frank Zappa who said that. Uh, I'd be playing big band gigs, and then occasionally you get paramedics running in and and pulling people out of the audience because they'd done a stroke or something. <laughs> That's a square. Fairly um, regular occurrence in the jazz world. Hey, you mentioned Zappa there right now. Um, given that some of the music, obviously, that, that you write, the ginger tune stuff, maybe if if some of us were to listen to that and then listen to Zappa, they'd maybe be quite surprised that you're such a, a fan of Zappa, right? So can you remember 
Uh, I might have asked you this before. What, when you really got into Zappa, there was a certain song that you heard, certain album. Can you remember? Oh, I, well, I mean, I got into it because I had to learn all the stuff for a tour. So I was you went, you weren't a fan prior to that. I didn't really know anything about it, and it was something I kind of got into as I went along. And now it's something I really sort of uh, really look for and really enjoy. And the band was called the Muffin Men. They still are called the Muffin Men. They're still going. They just do it as a smaller format now without the horns. But yeah, I mean, I just liked all of. There's a particular album, and it's a live concert. Actually, it's called "Does Humor Belong in Music?" And I think it was filmed in New York in 1984. Amazing. That's got my uh, my favourite lineup of the Zappa thing, and and it's probably in it. They're just so funny the tunes, you know. Um, but I think he just takes the mick out of everyone, including himself, so no one is safe. Um, so he has a thing called Bobby Brown, um, which is a bit homoerotic. Um, there's he's so gay, which again is fairly against that. There's there's just so many funny Keep funny tunes easy. on it. Keep it greasy, so it goes down easy. Uh, so many funny tunes on that. That, anyway, that, yeah. that gig is amazing, mate. That's one of the greatest yeah. gigs I've ever seen. Those those guys, we we used to actually uh, join them on stage when we did tours in the uh, across Germany and in the UK in the nineties with the with the Muffin Man. So Ike Willis, is, I've toured with Ike Willis and those sorts of guys, but they're all amazing, really humble fellas, and uh, they're just so talented. They've got amazing stories as well, of course. Shout out to Chad Wackerman. He's been on. Yeah, man. He certainly has. I listened to that one. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I didn't speak to him about that gig because it's one of my favourite gigs ever. Maybe I did. I don't know. Go back and listen at scottcowie.com, Stitcher Radio, uh, SoundCloud, the lot. Everyone, you can check out that episode. Uh, Chad yeah. Wackerman, of course, um, the best Frank Zappa drummer. Well, maybe not, but he was. He's up there. I think Vinny's pretty good. He's he's all right. Okay. I'm joking, Vinny. He's. I mean, who's who's not amazing that's played with Zappa, right? I mean, you've you've, you've <laughs> yeah. got to be pretty damn good. I, yeah. I, I tell you what, if you remember that episode, um, Ch- Chad tells a story about as if I know him. I'm saying Chad as if he's my mate. My my friend <laughs> Chad tells a story that um about when he auditioned for Zappa, and that was fascinating because like, I just yeah. remember uh, doing the interview, and my my, my jaw was at the floor because he's saying I think Steve Vai opened the door for him. I'm spoiling the whole yeah. story now, but um. It's 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 fascinating. I love the Zappa stuff and everything. So anyway, back to yourself. What else is coming up? You mentioned the project earlier. Obviously, that's happening the weekend. What else is happening in, in the life of the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Smith? Oh, just all that kind of stuff. This cream thing will probably tour. I think later in the year. But other than that, um, there's lots of wedding gigs, lots of holiday parks, and all that kind of stuff. We got some ginger tune stuff coming up in May. Um, and across the summer, which we just put a live video out actually on Facebook, which I've sent to you, and you're going to share, I think. <laughs> yep, I'm going to do it right now. Is that it's excellent? What's the song called? Uh, Doris from Norris. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so Ginger Tunes is uh, we're going to see we're going to see some more of that. Sorry, I'm just sharing this as we speak. I cannot multitask. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a lot of stuff coming up, right? So you've got everything from from weddings to butlins to serious jazz trios. It's all happening, Mike. Yeah, well, you know, you can't eat kudos, can you, Scott? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> no, I, no. I, I've sold my soul for uh, for a dollar <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's where we met, actually. That's yeah. that's where we met. That's how we got all we all got on so well. Um, yeah. Big thanks to Don for being on the podcast. Thanks once again uh, for Mike Smith and uh, Doris from Norris. Check out that on YouTube. I've just shared it right now. Um, add Mike Smith. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram. He's everywhere. Just Google the man. 
Uh, Google me, Google everyone. Yeah. Uh, and we'll all live happily ever after. And we will see you guys next week. And I've got a big announcement, actually, and I don't know if you've checked them out. But hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, this will, this will happen. In fact, I'll not make this, this announcement because I'm due to interview uh, this act tomorrow. But um, in case it doesn't happen, I'll not announce it right now because I will look like a fool. But all I'll say is check out the podcast next week because it is going to be a good one. Thanks to Ron for producing this once again. And we'll see you guys next week. Boom. Bye.